All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. As Corinne said, happy Father's Day. Hope you guys are all uh, able to celebrate uh, our fathers uh, here today. A couple quick announcements before we get started. So the first one is VBS. So if you're signing your kids up for VBS and you want a free t-shirt, so don't confuse this with you can sign all the way up till VBS, but if you want your kid to have a free t-shirt, today's the last day to sign up. So if you have kids, Get them signed up. You'll be able to get uh, a free T-shirt for them. But again, uh, I'm assuming we'll just be able to sign all the way. You'll be able, you will, not assuming. You will be able to sign up all the way up to uh, VBS. So again, praying for VBS. But if you have a kid, get them signed up so you can get a free T-shirt. The other thing is, is that on July the 30th, we're going to be doing a prayer walk for all of the schools in Huntington County. So we're going to be going and praying over the schools in Huntington County. Obviously, uh, because we know that we've talked about as a church multiple different times that, you know, we want to do whatever we can to reach our kids, right? And so we believe that praying over the schools and and doing everything possible we can to intercede on behalf of the people that are inside of schools want to be able to do it. But with that, we also want to pray specifically. So the people that will be going around will just be praying over the school, but we want to be praying specifically for people that are in the school system. So whatever your role inside of the school system is, bus driver, teacher, para, uh, organizational person, whatever that is, bus driver, if you're involved in the school system at all, we want to pray specifically for you. So the way you can do that is go on the app, sign up on our app and or our website. And again, we would love to be able to pray for you specifically. Like if you have a certain prayer request, we'd love to be able to pray for you specifically, but we want to at least pray for you by name right, and pray over you so that we can, again, understand what we say. We believe that the people that are in our school systems today and the people that are involved in our school systems today are making a huge difference, you know, for Jesus, and so we want to continue to pray that as they're on the front lines doing the work, that we pray for protection, provision, and give them the power to be able to continue to influence young people for Jesus. So that's happening, so if you're inside of the school system, please sign up on our app and or our website so that we can pray for you specifically. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Revelation 13. So again, quickly, I'll get you up to date on where we were. So Revelation 12, that was the last two weeks. Revelation 12 was this idea that um, the abyss has been opened, the demons are out there, and spiritual warfare has begun. So we gave you some like, this is how spiritual warfare works. Like this is Satan's tactics and his tools and things that he's trying to do. We said, here's some things that you should do as a believer to be prepared for spiritual warfare and understanding how you can be in today that the spiritual warfare that's going on, how you can be prepared for it. Um, And we've heard, obviously, stories of people who have taken seriously the idea of, you know, um, in the message of spiritual warfare, we said, you know, if if you're feeling comfortable and you don't feel attacked, it might be because you're doing nothing, just a thought. Um, and so people were like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get in the game. And then they went and got in the game. They're like, wow, this was a tough week. You know, and I'm like, I know that's how it works, right? Like if you're in the game and you're trying to get it done and you're making headway and, and you're trying to reach people for Jesus or love people like Jesus would, I mean, Satan now is like the alert goes up. Hey, I need to get back in this person's life who's been dormant forever. And I need to do something to get him back to being dormant again right? Get them back to the places where they can sit on the sidelines. So if you've experienced that, you know, keep pushing through. You know, we're praying for it. That's why they call it warfare. 
you know, it's a war, right? And you need to continue to gauge in that war and use the power of God to overcome because that's what we ended with. Greater is he who is in us and the greater is he that is in the world and you need to never forget it. That's why you can keep getting back in the game, right? No matter what your discouragement has been this week or this month, you can be encouraged because greater is he who is in you than will ever be in the world. So remembering that. Now we go into Revelation 13 and I think it's maybe one of the things that people who have looked at end times have been like, oh, we're finally gonna talk about one world order, one world government, one world currency, and one world religion, right? Because that's what most of the movies are made of, right? Most of the movies address this whole idea of going to a one world political system, a one world currency. In fact, a lot of the things that's talked about today, cashless societies and the, you know, the way that um, our government is setting up, is kind of setting up with this idea that we could become a one world government. And if you look at our currency, you know, and what's happening inside of the currency, like people talk about it based upon revelation. Does that make sense? Like they talk about it because they've looked at this big picture or they've watched a movie. So even if they haven't read the book of Revelations, they're like, oh, the end time's coming and we know, you know, there's going to be an antichrist and we know that that's going to be a political leader and he's going to bring one world government and one world prophet and all of uh, one world religion and all the things that go with it in that. So you've probably seen it now. If you haven't read the book of Revelation, but maybe you've watched the movies or you've heard people talk about it, do you ever wonder how that would ever be possible in the state that we're in today? Like, you think about this. Like, how hard would it be today? Like, the United States of America someday is going to be a part of a one-world government? Like, if you think about it, you're like, that's going to be impossible. Like, there's no way we're ever going to do it. Or, you know, the United States of America is going to buy into this cashless society and one-world currency, right? Like, how is that ever going to happen? And or, do you ever think about this? You know, the, you know, the United States of America, right or wrong, is known as a Christian nation, but at the end of the day, there's going to be a point where the United States of America is going to be part of a one-world religion that is not Christianity. Like, do you ever think through, like, how possible is that for that to be able to happen? Well, here's the thing that I want to see. So today, as we're looking at Revelation 13, I want you to understand some basic principles of what Jesus talks about and how this is going to happen, but the reason that it's going to happen is, is that partially because we're conditioned to be able to see it happen, and we're, going to, and we're just going to expect it to happen, and we're going to accept it as a part of what's going on, right? So I'm going to talk about how do we get to that place and what do we need to know about ourselves, and then we're going to look into who's the Antichrist and the false prophet, so that's who's going to be talked about today. We've already talked about Satan but we really haven't talked in depth about the Antichrist and the false prophets, so we'll talk about those two today, how that fits in, and I'm gonna speculate a little bit, so if you like messages with a lot of controversy, you might have one of those today, because I'm gonna do some speculation on, and again, this isn't said in Scripture. I'm speculating based upon what Scripture says of how I think it's all gonna fall into place, right? Then once you know all the information, it's the hardest thing about today's message. There's tons of information, then the big question is, so if all of this is happening in the future that you might never be a part of, what are you supposed to do today? Right, so like what could be the difference of what you do today? So I hope they'll do a good enough job to give you all of the information that you need, but also be able to come back and give you the points of what we're gonna be talking about. Now, what does Jesus say to us that we need to know and understand about society today and society in the future? Here's what he's, here's what he's saying. You always need to be on guard against false teaching. 
right? This is throughout all of Scripture. It says this throughout all of Scripture. Don't, don't give in to false teaching. Don't give in to false religion. Don't let anybody, you know, take you astray from what the basics of what Christianity is. In fact, Paul would go in and he would plant a church, and here's what's the craziest thing. He would plant a church, and a year later, Paul would have to go back to that church because somebody came in and took the, the simple part of the gospel and made it complicated. Or a false teacher came in and took the gospel plus something. And so then Paul would have to come back in and he would be like, hey, that's false teaching. So he tells you one of the things that people inside of culture are going to be prone to is they're going to be prone to listen to false teachers, Right? Like you are going to be prone to listen to a false teacher. Why? Why is it so easy? Because this is the question that you always have to ask yourself. Why is it so easy for an orator, a teacher, a speaker to sway the masses of people? You ever see that? Like a good orator or a good speaker could get up and tell the masses go that way. And a lot of times they go that way. True? Right? Like if you see people that can get up and speak and they can you know, deliver a message, they can tend to sway the masses one way or the other. You know, we have to understand, so why is that, right? So for us as Christians today, it's something you should think about. Why is it, because I see this in churches all the time, why is it that a preacher can get up and sway you to go that way even though it's false, right? Like, how can he do that? Like, how can he get people that are Christian people to go into a place where they're not supposed to be going? And at the end of the day, you walked away from church maybe 10 years ago because you're like, that sucker said this and it wasn't right. Like, I didn't know it 10 years ago. Well, how don't you know it, right? Like, why don't we know those things? Well, one of the things that we have to know, right, if you want to not give in to false teaching, then you need to have a foundation. If you don't have a foundation, like, if, if you're at a place right now where your foundation is built off of a podcast, a preacher, or a book, you're in trouble. And I'm telling you, more people are listening, listening to podcasts, listening to preachers online, listening to preachers in person, and reading books and forming theology than they are reading their Bible. True? Right? I mean, and again, just because it's easier because somebody else digested it, and then they told you what to do. Right? It's just easier. Human nature, right? We take the path of least resistance. So somebody just tell me what to do. I don't want to think about it. And I'm telling you, here's something that you need to do as a Christian person. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't read it. I can't understand it. And I try to read it. And I don't get it. And I don't know. The, understand this is that the promises of God say this. You will understand what you need to understand. That's what it says. Right? The promises of God says when you open Scripture, doesn't matter how good of a reader you are. Doesn't matter how much of a theologian you are. Doesn't matter if for the first time in your life you opened a Bible. If you open it and read it, God promises that what you need to hear and understand, you will hear and understand. Now, understand this. There's going to be days that you're going to read it and you're like, ah, I have no idea. Anybody that read it and be like, I barely stayed awake? Nobody's going to admit that, but that really happens. Like you read it and you're like, holy crap, I barely made it through. Didn't hear anything, but I'm telling you, one of those days, he's going to speak to you. One of those days, you're gonna start, but you got to be in it every day. You got to be doing something to be able to get in that place where God can speak to you, right? So we got to build that foundation because it gives us this idea that you're going to have a false teacher. And if you don't have a foundation, you're going to be swayed. Why are people so easily swayed? So we know that it's because they don't have a foundation. Here's the other thing. 
All of us in this room, whether you like it or not, or understand this or not, you were made to be a passionate worshiper. That's built in you, right? Inside of you, you were built with the passion to worship, right? So here's what we know. If your worship is not directed at Jesus, it will be directed at something else, right? Now listen to me. We know this is true. Look at how people worship athletes. Don't, don't we think, right? Like, or how about this? Maybe you're like, athletes, who cares about athletes? How about musicians? People worship musicians? Few people, right? Like, we just know that people worship cars, people worship things, right? We just know inside of each one of us is a tendency to get uh, focused really hard on one thing at times. You know how you go from that? Like, you ever been on these kicks? Like, you're on this kick and you're on this one kick right now, and it's like all you can think about? Nobody else does that, right? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like this thing, and I'm like, I'm all in, right? And then you're like, at the end of that, and you're like, "Ah, I'm not all in. But then you know what you're looking for? The next thing to be all in on. Why? Because you're a worshiper. By nature, you're a worshiper. And if your worship isn't directed to Jesus and isn't consumed by Jesus, you're gonna go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, right? And so inside of this, why is it easy for a false teacher to be able to redirect your worship into things that are wrong? You know what the other thing we know about everybody in this room, including myself, not only are we built to be worshipers, you want delivered in your life from the things that are bad. Every single person in this room, when your life sucks, what do you want? An answer. You want delivered from it. You don't want the problem anymore, right? And so here's how it works together. Here's how I want you to see. This is why when we see this happen in the future, I think you're going to understand, wow, this is how it worked. Because here's how how it is. If your life sucks right now or something's going on, you're looking for somebody to fix your life. And when they do, you know what you're going to do once they fix it? You're going to worship them. Anybody? No? No? This happens, like you have a major problem and somebody comes along and says, let me fix your problem and I'm gonna deliver you out of this and you are in the deepest depths of the terribleness of life and this person like raised you up and gave you hope, you're gonna be like, yes, that person. My worship is gonna be directed at that person and I'm, we're at the tip of the iceberg right now, but think about this. You know, we're all like, if somebody could fix gas prices and food prices right now. Anybody? Jeff, are you fixing them? Or are you just saying, like, somebody fix them? Yeah. I'm like, just like this. I'm like, do you got the answer? (laughs) But you hear what I'm saying, right? And this is the tip of the iceberg. But wait until the grocery stores are really dried up. Anybody? Wait till gas is $8 a gallon. Wait till trucks stop running because diesel fuel is too expensive and you can't get your stuff. Wait till those things happen. And you know what? Somebody comes along and then they do this. I got a fix to the food supply. I got a fix to this gas problem. I got a fix to the economy. And again, now you're going to be wealthy, healthy, and wise. How many people are going to be like, that guy? Anybody looking for that guy? You're going to say no because we're comparing him to the Antichrist, but you really are. (laughs) 
right? Like you're not gonna be like, oh yeah, I want that guy because we're comparing it to what you're gonna see in scripture. Somebody's gonna come along that's gonna deliver people and they're gonna be like, that guy is somebody worth worshiping. And why do so many people fall into it? It's because what you're conditioned to do. But part of your conditioning is we don't really have a foundation, so we don't know really what's true. And then when life sucks, you're always looking for somebody to deliver it. And once somebody does, you worship it. And again, we just are showing this cycle to our kids. Like we're teaching our kids, look for the next person that's going to deliver you, not look to Jesus, the only one who will ever deliver you. Right? I mean, that's, and again, I don't mean this bad in families, but I'm just like, this is what's happening. Their kids are watching us. When our life sucks, you know what they you know, they're not necessarily looking to be like, I wonder who dad's looking for for his deliverer. But you know what they're learning? You know what they're learning? Who you look for to be your deliverer. They're gonna put it in different words, right? They're gonna, they're gonna name it differently. They're gonna talk about it differently. But what they're looking for is when something goes wrong in the house, where do mom and dad go? What do they do? Who are they pointed to, right? And I'm guessing, guessing, in a lot of our households today, it's not the Bible, and it's not Jesus. That'd be a fair guess. I mean, I'm not saying maybe for you. If you shake your head, we're not saying it's you, right? But I'm saying in the culture, that might be what's happening. Like, we're missing this idea of where people should go and how they pointed to when life isn't the way that it should be. And so we gotta give them an example. Because if we don't, here's what you're gonna see. When we do have this, because here's what we don't know. We don't know when this is coming. You know, we're gonna have a pretty good idea. Like, I'm gonna speculate that Christian people are gonna be gone at the time, right, during this, what we're gonna talk about today. The rapture's gonna happen. But you understand that what we know in the world today, some of the people that you love are going to be here during this time. And the question is, have you ever talked to them about it? Because they're not in here today, you know that? Right, a lot of those people aren't sitting here today. Right, so what are we doing and how are we preparing them? How do we get ready for those things and how do we help them prepare for it? So now, with that, I want you to see some history. How does it work? Because this is what you're gonna see. Political systems working with religious systems that are natural in the idea so that when the Antichrist comes with the false prophet, people are gonna look at that system and they're gonna be like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense, right? Here's how you know it. Go all the way back to, you remember when Moses... Uh, went to and was trying to deliver the people out of Egypt, right? So they, the Pharaoh was there and, and Moses came in and Moses would do some signs, right, to deliver the people and some plagues were come. Pharaoh comes along and says, oh, political leader, brings in Janus and Jambros. Remember the two religious people at the time? And you know what they do? They copy the signs that Moses did, right? And people were like, Oh, so it's really not Moses doesn't have that much power. Look, the political leader, Pharaoh, who has these people inside of what they're doing, they go together and the people worship the Pharaoh because he had a religious system that did signs and wonders that said, you know what you should do? You should worship the Pharaoh, right? It went together inside of that. If you look at other examples, King Balak used Balaam. Remember Ahab and Jezebel? So Ahab and Jezebel, part of what brought their leadership, you know, to the place where, you know, people would worship them as they used the priest of Baal. 
Remember that in the stories, the priest of Baal, you know, were going against God's people and there were 400 priests and they went together. And so, you know, King Ahab and Jezebel were saying like, look at what these people can do and that's why you should worship King Ahab and that's why you should worship Jezebel. So throughout all of scriptural history, you see these things happening. Political systems using religious systems and the religious system saying you should worship the leader, right? Think about it in today's society, communism. So if, if you're familiar with the history of communism, when I was in the, the Ukraine, I learned a lot about this because when we were in Ukraine, we were meeting with the people, and one of the leaders of the ministry that we're in said, you know what the hardest thing about uh, getting people that were in communism for so long out of communism, even though they live in a free country? Because this is what's crazy. The Ukraine was a free country, but people still wanted communism, right? Here's why. Communist leaders, right, in, in communist countries don't want a God, right? They tell you. They want everybody to be atheist. And the reason that they want you to be atheist is because they want you to worship the system of communism, right? So the system of communism of we're going to take care of your health care, we're going to take care of your food, we're going to take care of everything that you need in your life, you worship the system of communism because then the system of communism points to the communist leader and says, we should worship that guy, look at what he's doing for us. You see how it's put together? Everybody wants to worship and everybody needs delivered. Why do communist countries love those types of things? right? It's because they think the answer to their problem is the worship of the communist system and the worship of the one who says, I'll take care of you, right? Now, that seems odd, doesn't it? But let's just think about this. That's kind of what's happening in our world today. You know, the world's a little bit chaotic today, and that people will actually vote for a president just for the sheer purpose of, so that he'll just take care of all of my needs, deliver me. Right? And this isn't political. I'm just telling you, you realize people are going to say, oh, I'm going to vote for a president for one reason and one reason only, so that he will take care of my every, right? I mean, we're looking at it like, what the world, right? You know, the big issue of health care, like if you've been a part of health care, they're saying, we need to get in a president that will get us all free health care. And people are like, I'm voting for that guy, because if he gets that done, that's somebody worth worshiping. Now, you're not going to say worshiping. Right, that's not what you're gonna say, but you realize that's what we're doing, isn't it? Somebody that will deliver you out of your problem. So if healthcare has been a problem and a president can bring it and he can deliver you out of that problem, you're gonna be like, that guy is worthy of worship. You see where I'm going, right? Do you see how this conditioning process, so then when we look at a one world government and a one world order in Revelation where the whole world's went to hell? I mean, the whole world hasn't even went to hell right now. Think about it in Revelation 13 right now. God's people are gone. Satan has been unleashed. The abyss is open. All the demonic are out there. And how many people do you think need delivered now? Anybody? Right? Like you think what we're going through now is tough. Think of what they're going through at the time. So the reason, right, that in Revelation 13 we see so many people saying like, oh, yes, this, you know, the Antichrist is worth worshiping because I need delivered because the world's out of hand. Now, when we read this, we're gonna look at some character traits of uh, the Antichrist, but then we're also gonna look at the false prophet together, and then we're gonna try to figure out what can we learn from it, okay? Does that make sense? So Revelation 13, let's start in verse one. We'll read all the way through it, and then we'll go back and talk about uh, each one of them. So it says, the dragon stood on the, sh uh, stood on the shore of the sea, 
And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his uh, power and his throne and his great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they had worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blasphemy God and to slander his name and his dwelling place for those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. It was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain before the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness of the part of God's people. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or their foreheads so they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. That number is 666. Okay, so let me give you an overview of what's happening. So you know, in, in times that we have today, as a believer of Jesus Christ, we believe in the Trinity, right? Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we believe that those three people work on our behalf on this earth today. Right? We believe in the Trinity. We believe in those things. So now that that's gone, now there is a false Trinity set up, which is Satan, the false prophet, and the Antichrist. Do you see how it talks about that? So there's Satan, and on one side of the throne of Satan is the false prophet, and on the other side is the Antichrist. They are set up like the false Trinity, like the true Trinity, but false, uh, set up as a false Trinity to rule the world at the time. Right? So we see those things set up, and people are going to look at them as a team working together. Right? You're going to see that, that Satan gives power through possession to the Antichrist and the false prophet. Right? And dwells them with the, with the demons that come from the abyss. Right? So they'll have power that is extraordinary because Satan gives the power to possess those people from the demons that come from the abyss. Does that make sense? So here's this false trinity set up. So now let's look at the Antichrist. 
Who is the Antichrist and how we identify him? So him as a person, one of the things you'll know is he will be a political leader. He will be a political leader. That's why it talks about the imagery of him coming out of the sea. He will come out of a, uh, a country. He will come out of a political system that he will be in, but then all of a sudden he will rise to power right, in a way that was unexpected, and that people will look at him as, as somebody with authority, again, remembering that in that time, what is everybody looking for? Someone who will deliver them, right? That's what, he, that's what they're looking for. Somebody that's, tons of things are going on, the world's in chaos, the world's looking for a person who will deliver them, so this person is inside of a political system, and then he rises up, and what do you think his answer is? Oh, money? Food, supply chains, health care, I have your answer, right? I'm going to fix all of your problems. And the reason that he rises to power as a person politically is because he politically can fix those things, right? So it's somebody that inside of the political system convinced people and came up with a way to fix those problems. Here's the other thing. How much authority does he have? Here's what we know inside of Scripture. We know at this time we believe that the rapture has already happened, God's people are gone, except for the 144,000, remember? So there's 144,000 Jews who are evangelizing the world right now, okay? Evangelizing people. They are also sealed with a mark that they can't be touched because they're evangelizing at the time. But God has completely removed himself from the earth, right? And remember why? Because it's going to take tragedy to wake some people up. So God's removed himself and he's given Satan full reign. So now not only does Satan have full reign, his demons have been released from the abyss and now his demons are possessing an antichrist and a false prophet, okay? So we know at this time his authority is great and that he can pretty much do whatever he wants to do on the earth without restraint. The other thing is, what's his acclaim? You're going to see this come together, which is pretty amazing how it correlates to what we know about Jesus. Do you remember what it talks about the wound on his head? Did you remember when I read about that, that it, there's a wound on his head? So there's this idea that Scripture tells us and that commentators would believe that somebody rebels against the Antichrist and with a sword, with a bullet, with something, wounds him in the head and kills him. Right, that there's this fatal wound that the Antichrist is, is dead, right, in front of everybody, on national television, on the internet. Everybody's going to see it. This leader that you've been looking up to, the leader that fixed all of your problems, the leader that you've been worshiping, all of a sudden some rebel rises up and kills him. But you know what his great acclaim is? You know why people worship him? It's because he raises from the dead in front of everybody. Now, how crazy is it that we have a Jesus that we know has raised from the dead, but at the time they won't believe it because they haven't seen it. But there's going to be this, this great deception that's going to go on because Satan's going to use, you know, these people obviously didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus because they didn't see it. So, you know, the way to get over their, you know, their, their disbelief is to show them in person. Well, you know, that Jesus that nobody ever really saw raised from the dead. Let me show you the real one that you should worship. So I'm going to raise him from the dead. So his acclaim and his power is going to be, people are going to see the Antichrist raised from the dead. And, you, and people are sitting out there and they're like, they used to tell us to believe in Jesus and nobody could give us any proof. Look on the TV. Look on TikTok. Look on Twitter. Look on Facebook. Look at all. They just showed him we're raising from the dead. Right? So that's going to be his acclaim. And that's one of the reasons that people are going to worship him. Now, what's his plan? 
So we know there's 144,000 people, and we know that God is patient, and he wants his people to come to know him. So people are getting saved during this time. So what's the Antichrist's job at this time, or what does he want to do? You know, yes, he's a deliverer, and yes, he's bringing peace, but because he's indwelt by Satan, is that really the plan? No, the plan is to destroy God's people, right? And he can destroy them in two ways. One, we're going to see here in a little bit, marking them so that they cannot ever go into heaven because of the mark. And the other way is, is that if they have given their life to Jesus Christ, we're going to destroy them so they can't tell anybody else. Right? That's the idea. He's going to wage war against the saints. And the other thing is we know who are his followers in this whole idea. Who are the followers of the Antichrist? Anybody whose name is not written in the book of life. Whose name's written in the book of life, never to be blotted out again, what it says in Revelations. Those who believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? Those are the people that are, that are going to be martyred. Those are the people who are going to get killed. The people that are following him are people that, again, were looking to be delivered and looking for somebody to worship. Okay, those are going to be his followers. Now, the false prophets. So let's talk about the difference. So in the, the Antichrist, it talks about him in this, this idea that he's kind of like a lion. Interestingly, it talks about him as a lion. When it talks about the false prophet, you know what he says? He's like a lamb. Right? So there's going to be this fierce leader that comes in and sets up this political authority. And then all of a sudden, you're going to see this, this false prophet come in. And the false prophet comes in with a much lighter demeanor, somebody that's going to be, you know, lovable by the people, somebody that's going to be a great orator and a great speaker, and he's going to come in and he's going to woo the people over because of it just his, his mildness and his, his, uh, the way that he approaches people different the way that the Antichrist does. Where does he get his power or how does his power work? And this is where people are going to, you know, all of a sudden look to this guy for answer right? The false prophet is going to point the worship to the Antichrist. You know how he does that? It's because on, I'm just going to, this is speculation. It doesn't say this in the Bible. On live TV, on national television, on all of your live social media feeds, the Antichrist is going to walk, or the false prophet is going to walk up to the Antichrist who is obviously dead, a wound to his head. It's not something that you can't see. They're going to see this fatal wound. He's going to be dead. The false prophet's going to walk up there, lay hands on him, and he's going to immediately raise from the dead. And people are going to be like, whatever religion that guy's in, I'm following him. Remember how I talked about that? Like when people see signs and wonders and they follow, but they can just be swayed because they want to go to the place that they can get what they want. Are we still in? Are we still good? Yeah. We're still going the same. There's a lot of information here, so I want to make sure we're getting to the same place. But you see what I'm saying? Like, you know how in Scripture, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire, and the angels there, and King Nebuchadnezzar's like, if somebody can do that, I want to worship his God. This is what's happening here. People are like, how in the world would people worship all these one world religion? Because you're looking for an answer to be delivered and you've got a lot of people dying around you and you want protected and then all of a sudden on your social media feed or on whatever you're watching TV on, the false prophet walks up to the Antichrist, lays hands on him and he stands up and then the Antichrist says, or the false prophet says, you know what you need to do? Worship that man that just raised from the dead. You know why he raised from the dead? Because he is like a god. Think people are going to listen? Yes. If you saw somebody raised from the dead, you're going to wonder some of the same things. Now, you're not because now you're educated. And you're going to like, nah, 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 like not that, right? But for the people that don't know, for the people that don't know, they're going to be like, holy crap, that guy raised whatever religion and whatever God that he serves, I'm in. 
I didn't really have anything else, I'm in. So we know that his authority or his power comes through that. Now, what's his program? This is the thing that maybe you guys have wondered about. You know what his program is? It's to separate out those who are believers and those who are not believers. You know how he does it? Because you know for a lot of people, this is going to be worldwide. So how do you do it? Like how do you put that in place in a worldwide system? It's like, like everybody can know. So you know the way you're going to know? They're going to make it. They're going to take everyday things that you do, and they're going to make it so that at some point you're going to be identified. Everything that you buy, everything that you sell, and everything that you trade. You cannot do it any longer without being the mark. So you know what they're going to do? They're going to say to you, you want to go to the grocery store? You want to go and get medical care? You want to be able to go to school? You want to be able to go to college? You want to be able to buy? You want to be able to sell? You want to be able to do anything? It's simple. I got an answer. You need health care treatment? It's easy. We'll provide your health care treatment. All you have to do is just take this chip, and you just run the chip through the barcode, and you walk in, and you get free health care. How many people that are struggling with health care are going to be like, I'm in? If you don't know, right? If you don't know, are people going to go with that? For sure they're going with that, right? Because and then what they're going to do is so then if you're going to go there and you're going to say, no, I'm not going to take the mark of the beast, you know the only reason you wouldn't take the mark of the beast is because you're a Christian and the Bible says don't take the mark because if you take the mark, your eternity is sealed. You don't get to rub it off, you don't get to take it out, and you don't get to change your mind. If you take the mark of the beast, your eternity is sealed because you are now marked just like those who have their Lamb's Book of Life, if you're marked and you take that, there is no turning back. And so you got a decision to make. If you want to go to the grocery store, you want your kids to have health care, you want your kids to be taken care of, you want to feed your family, you want to be able to go to college, you want to be able to go to school, just take the mark. And you know the world's going to be encouraging you to do it, just like it is today. You know what the world encourages you to do today? Just get in line and do what everybody else does. The people that don't fall in line... Those suckers are just trying to cause trouble, and they're stirring up things. You know, back in the day, I said this in first service. I thought they still did this, but you remember in the day, like when you're in school, they made you cross your arms when you walked down the hallway, and everybody's like, no, I don't remember. I said, that just must have been me, you know, because I, <laughs> I must have been that kid that were like, get him in line. Somebody make him cross his arms because he's jacking around with everybody else, Right? But you know what? People, are, people that fall in line are looked at as the good people, right? Just fall in line. Do what everybody else is doing. Just do what you're told. Don't be a rebel. Don't go against the system. What's the big deal? Everybody's going to get free health care. Put the chip in. What's the big deal? Grocery stores just need to monitor the number of people that are coming in. What's the big deal? Give them a card that said you were vaccinated. Okay, I'm not going there. I get... I, I was kidding. I'm kidding. I really am kidding. Because I'm not going, I, listen, that's, yeah. The point just was, is it won't be that odd. It won't be that odd. I'm not saying should or shouldn't get vaccinated. My point is just this. I'm really not. I'm saying, won't you be, won't people be used to having something to gain entry to something? That's all. Are you all okay? Because I think some of you are mad now. Like, don't get mad. I'm just saying the idea of having something to give, get entry into, it won't be that abnormal. And if you don't buy into it, you're going to be looked at, right? And I said this, and again, don't be mad about this when I say it, but I just want you to know what it feels like on both sides of it. When we went out to Colorado to go skiing, you couldn't go anywhere without a vaccination card. And you know how the people that I'm like, what's the big deal? I got to pee. And it's freezing. 
And they're like, well, you got to go to this. There's, there's only one bathroom in the whole place that non-vaccinated people can go to. I'm just saying, you're looked at by the other people like, why, aren't you, why haven't you followed in line? Right? Not right or wrong. You know, the same thing is I shouldn't look at people who did bad. But the point is, you're going to be looked at like, why aren't you a part of the team? So it's going to be easy in that to have the pressure to say, be a part of the Antichrist system for crying out loud. He saved you. He delivered you. He's taking care of you. He's giving you your medical needs. He's giving you food. Get in line. Fall in order. And people are going to be like, I know. That's what we've been doing all my life. So I'll just keep doing it. That's what you taught your kids to do. Right? That's what you've been teaching your kids to do. Fall in line. Go with whatever people tell you to do. You don't need any. It's not your own faith. Just do what somebody else tells you to do. Right? That's what good kids do. They just go down the road that somebody else tells them to do. And I'm sitting here saying, like, listen, this we need to teach our kids differently. They need to know. They need to have foundations. They need to know those things. Now, so that's the idea. So here's the Antichrist and the false prophet. Okay? Information. Got a lot of information about that. We got a lot of things that are going on. Now I'm going to do some speculating. Okay, so here's where, you know, you might be like disagree, but that's okay because this is speculation, right? That's what we get to do this. Here's my speculation on why do I think this is going to be easier than what we think? Why do I think that this is going to come in easier than what I think? My speculation is this. We already buy into government dependence today, right? Right or wrong, we buy into that, right? We, we live in a world where we buy into the idea of depending on the government. Like we, economically, if you want things fixed, who do we usually look to? It's right or wrong, because can the government affect the economy? And just so you know, I'm not anti-government, so when you guys are out there, be like, I hate him. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not anti-government, I'm just telling you, can the government affect the economy? And so part of what happens is, is could we get to a place where the government, the, the, the health of the economy, which affects your job and your money and your spendable income, if the, if the government can say, I can fix the problem, how many people, if it changes your pocketbook, like, I'm in, right? I'm in. I'm in. Why? Because, again, we're used to it. There's this conditioning that goes with it. Same with, you know, what we talked about physically, like, Back to when we look at a one-world government or one-world order, we think that that's really rare, and why would anybody do it? Well, can the government affect us physically from a food supply standpoint? For sure. Like, we just, we know how this happens. The government can make decisions that can make grocery stores empty. They just can. And again, this isn't anti-government. This is true. Right, that these are the things that are happening. And I'm only saying it to you because, hey, what will it be like? Will people be like, yeah, I mean, I need to depend on the government to keep the grocery store full because I for sure can't feed myself. Right? Like, I for sure can't take care of myself. I for sure can't, you know, do any of the things that I used to be able to do. You know, and the other one that is back to healthcare, like we're being conditioned. And I, I'm speaking from the standpoint of somebody that's come from that. So when you have full cover insurance, you know, and you have all these things to take care of you, you're going to the doctor all the time because it doesn't really matter. Then we came over here and we didn't have any health care. And then, you know, Sherry got cancer and $150,000 later and all of my 401k going, you're out there saying, I need somebody to deliver me. Anybody that's had the health care thing? And if you're sitting in that situation and you're out of money and you need to go to the doctor and your wife has cancer and you're trying to say, what do we need to do, right? We need help. Somebody deliver us. And it's going to be natural because you're going to be like, yeah, that's the right answer. 
I'm going to give in to it. I'm going to do it because we're used to doing those things. Now, that's government. Okay, let me quickly go into why do I think one world religion is going to be easy? Why do I think it's coming? So I'm going to give you what I think, and again, this is speculation. This isn't scripture. I think that the one world religion is going to come from Islam, right? And here's why. So if you read the Quran, here's some things to think about, okay? So I want you to process these things. So if you read the Quran, one of the things that it says in the Quran is, is that anybody who goes against Allah, right, God, is considered an infidel. And this isn't radical, you know, Muslim speak. This is inside of the Quran. And if you are an infidel, the responsibility of somebody who is in Islam or somebody who is a Muslim, again, it says in there, part of our responsibility is to get rid of the infidel, right? Like that's a part of it. So there's this natural tendency, because people can say this, and I know people are going to be mad at the end of this, and they're going to argue this. Well, that's not, there's radical Islam and there's peaceful Islam. Okay, well, I'm just telling you, then go read the Quran and go read all the readings that go with it. In that, they believe that being in Islam is the way to go, right? And is the way that needs to be, and that anybody that goes against what that is, it's their responsibility is to be a part of getting rid of that, right? However you want to dictate that. And you know what the fastest growing religion in the world today is? Anybody want to guess? Islam, fastest growing religion in the world today. Why? Part of it is because as a family inside of Islam, it's important that your kids stay Islamic. They're Muslims, right? Like it's really important. Like you make sure that your kids have everything that they need to make sure that they stay in the box of being a Muslim, right? So they grow up that way. So they have kids and they're actually having more kids than Christians are. And so naturally, because the leading you know, world religion today is Christianity, Right, So the reason that we see it taking over, one is just for the sheer fact is they, they do a good job of converting their kids to Islam, and they do a good job of having more kids than we do. So that's natural, right? So that's going to happen naturally. And they're also very adamant about going out and pushing the Islamic, you know, uh, being a Muslim, and their conversion rate of people not from different religions to Islam, but from nothing to Islam is higher than Christianity, Okay, so we're going to see that grow. Now, here's the other thing that you're going to see it surpass. It's not that Christians are becoming Muslim. Do you know what's happening to Christians and Christian families? This is in a Pew report that you can read about. Christian children that grow up in a Christian church are going to be nothing not Christian. Does that make sense? So they grow up in a Christian home, they leave the Christian home, and they no longer believe in Christianity. They don't believe in Islam. They just don't believe in anything. They kind of believe that there's a God, but they don't really adhere to the idea of being a Christian, right? So they're affiliated in this idea of non or non-believers or non-followers. And so there's this huge group of people where inside of the Christian faith, it just keeps getting bigger because parents of children no longer care that much whether or not their kids are Christian. Is that okay? But you see what I'm saying, right? Like it's really important inside of a, as in a of homes, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, but let's just be honest, inside of generationally, it hasn't been that important for a family to say the greatest value that you could ever have when you lead this house is Jesus Christ. That day has went away, anybody, right? 
That day has tended to go away. We tend not to have that in our homes anymore, you know, and so we see those things coming about. So the reason that I'm going to speculate, like the government and, and, and how there becomes a one-world religion is because of some of those things that are happening. Now, the worship team's going to come back up. What can we do, right? So what do we need to do based upon this idea? Okay, so now we know that there is an Antichrist, and we know that there is a false prophet, that there's going to be a false trinity, and that's all going to happen in the future. And if you're a believer today, guess what? You're going to be... and the things that we can do, not who we are in Jesus. So we tend to be pushed with this whole idea that we got to make something, we got to do something, and we're so busy to find time to be a follower of Jesus, to be devoted to him, to be in love with him. There isn't any time for it. Can we slow down and say the greatest gift that you could ever give to the people around you is not what you can make and not what gifts you can give them, but the greatest thing you can give them is an overflow of Jesus. And the only way you're going to get that done is slowing down. I'm speaking from experience, right? We live a life that's tough, right, to get things done. And we live in a world that you run 1,000 miles an hour. And so I'm going to say, what would it look like for you today to change your schedule, right? Because that's what it's going to take. You're going to need to change your schedule. You're going to look at what you're doing. You're going to say, if the priority of my relationship with Jesus isn't a priority, come hell or high water, I'm changing it. Whatever it is, I'm gonna change it. Because I wanna pass this gift on because you know the next thing that we need to do? Can we keep the family unit together? Like, can we care about our kids? And can we care about our kids' friends, right? In a way that we can look at it and we can say, you know what? There's a lot that's gonna be happening, but I'm not gonna be so busy and so disconnected and so out of there that I'm not gonna just try to reach my own kids, my own family, and I'm not gonna be so busy and so out of it that I'm not gonna try to reach their friends. Can we, can we go after the family unit and really believe that if we change a generation, it can change a generation? Because the only way that that's gonna get done, slow down, build your own faith, give now what you have to those who are looking. Because you know what they're looking for? Whether you want to believe this or not, you know what your kids are looking for? Someone to deliver them and figure out what to worship because the world's told them there's a lot of things to worship and a lot of people who will deliver you. And as parents and as adults, can we give them the right thing? Can we show them what to worship and who will really deliver them? And can we show them by example? Think about this. Whether you think this or not, your kids are watching when, you're, when you need delivered, where do you go? You might not say it, but they're going to go to the same place. 
Like you're not saying like I'm going to this to be delivered, but they're watching when life gets tough and life gets hard and things get out of whack and you need delivered from something or you're going to a place where you go to get out of that. They're watching because you know what they're going to do? They're going to follow your footsteps. They're going to watch you. They're going to emulate you and they're going to do what you're doing. Can we be a people that changes that? Can we show them the right place to go? the right thing to be delivered from so that our children and their friends can watch and not get caught up in this wind of going back and forth and be prepared for what God wants for their life. Now, we have a great opportunity to take communion together today. So we're gonna take communion as a church. Now, this is two things when we take communion. One, it's for you to remember that your life was bought at a price, right? That Jesus Christ died for you and your name is written in the book of life so that when we talk about all of these things, you're the one that's sealed and you're the one who's gonna experience Jesus and it's the time for us to say, thank you, (laughs) thank you. I don't know why you didn't. I would have never done it, but Jesus, thank you. I would have never saved a wretch like me, but thank you. I would have never, you know, for somebody that spit on me for all these years, you know, and then I came back to you that you'll accept me, but thank you. That's what communion is supposed to do, be a reminder of what he did, and we can say thank you. You know what else is supposed to do? An opportunity for you to examine your heart. An opportunity for you to say, you know what? If I need to slow down, God, give me the conviction. Give me the things that I need. If I need to do something with my children, give me the conviction. If I need my heart changed, then help me understand how to change my heart. Take that time to meditate. Take that time to allow God to examine your heart with you and the things that you need to do. So I'm gonna pray after that. Uh, Corinne's gonna open up the community or have a time of meditation and then she'll open up the communion tables for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just love you. Um, And we know like today, Lord, there's just a lot of things to think through, but more than anything can we remember this. May we be a people that aren't swayed. May we be a people that have a foundation. May we be a people that um, understands who you are, Lord. May we be a people that point to the right deliverer, to point to you, a people that, again, will help other people understand how to worship you and worship you well. Lord, we thank you today as we take communion for the sacrifice that you've made. And Lord, we pray that you will examine our hearts and help us see how to better follow you. Lord, and we're praying for a revival, Lord. We're praying for you to do amazing things in our lives. And Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen. When you're ready, please make your way to the communion tables. They're now open.
As an online community, we just want you to know how much we value you and how much we love that you are a part of our church family. So we want to take an opportunity to uh, participate and take communion with you. And so if you have the elements with you, we just ask that you'd gather them together and we uh, will take communion together as an online community. Here's what the scripture says in Matthew 26, verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many, for the forgiveness of sins. So we just want uh, to invite you as an online community as we rejoin the main camp campus to celebrate together uh, as a church and a church family in the great gift of his sacrifice, the great gift of communion, and just celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you would all please stand and join us for this last song.
church and God you're just getting started a testimony of more to come spirit of God come do it in us oh, we join in the faith of heaven and prophesy your
I guess more than anything for us as a church, I think that's what we need to continue to pray for. We need to pray for revival, awaken the church, open our eyes, see what God wants us to see because we need to understand this. God is on the move. The question is, do you want to be with him? Do you want to be a part of breaking down the walls? Do you want to be a part of pushing back the doors? Because that's what he wants for his church. Not to sit back and watch from the sidelines, but to be engaged and be a part of that revival and be a part of that movement. And that's what I want for us here at Life Church. May you use us in ways and so that we can be a part of his revival and be a part of his story. So thanks for joining us here at our main campus. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.